Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teachatluke.co.uk. Hello and welcome to Luke's English Podcast and this exciting and edgy new episode. I hope that you're ready physically, mentally, spiritually, because this is going to be epic. I'm attempting to make this sound slightly more dramatic than it actually is because this one is all about the IELTS test which is not normally an exciting subject but with the use of this background music and my tone of voice hopefully I can convince you that this really is edge-of-your-seat stuff and if that isn't enough and you still need to be convinced of the dramatic tension at the very heart of this episode in order to keep you fully engaged I'm also expecting a delivery from the post office at any moment. A few days ago, I ordered a pair of trainers online. A pair of old-school Adidas sneakers. And at some point this morning, I expect them to be delivered to my door by the postman. That's right, there could be a buzz at my doorbell at literally any second. I can hardly contain myself. And I hope that it's the same story for you. Because this is a truly riveting and adrenaline fueled experience for me, and I hope that it is for you too. And it's in this highly tense and gripping context that I bring this episode of Luke's English Podcast to you right now. Now, if we can just keep up this level of focus throughout the rest of the episode, that would be great. Um, if it helps you to concentrate, just imagine that at any moment my Adidas trainers could be delivered. It may even it may even happen within the next five minutes. And when it does happen, I may even open the package live while recording the podcast. And then we'll actually find out about the trainers themselves. Will they be the right size? Will they be the right colour? Will they suit me? Only time can tell. But one thing's for sure, it doesn't get more dramatic than this. And as the tension rises ahead of this groundbreaking new episode of Luke's English Podcast, in which we deal with the almost frighteningly engaging subject of the IELTS test, a test which, if you fail it, the penalty is instant death. As the tension rises, the beginning of this episode becomes nearer and nearer. I can hardly hold on anymore. This is just getting more and more exciting all the time. Imagine the danger, imagine the drama. The combination of an IELTS-themed lesson and the imminent delivery of a pair of new Adidas trainers. This is the theme, this is the tone of the episode which I hope is going to keep you locked in throughout the rest of this probably about 60 minutes of audio listening. Let's see if we can hold on and survive until the end of this dramatic new episode of Luke's English Podcast. 
I'm just kidding, of course. Um, if you fail the IELTS test, it's not instant death. Usually you have to wait about three working days. Uh, that was a joke, by the way, if, just in case you were wondering. Um, obviously, I'm, not jo I'm just joking. Uh, you don't die if you fail the IELTS test. That's ridiculous. And anyway, you can't even fail the IELTS test. There is no pass or fail mark. Um, so what you just heard there, that was just a, a light-hearted introduction to this episode in order to make it somehow more exciting. Because I'm a little bit worried that uh, a whole episode about IELTS may be a little bit dull. But then again, it might not be dull. I'm sure that loads of you out there will find this extremely useful. So let's get on with it. Um, in this one, I'm going to go through all parts of the IELTS test, giving you some tips and general advice. I'm recording this because it's one of the most commonly requested episodes. People are always asking me to do episodes about IELTS, and I've never done one until now. So here it is, the eagerly awaited IELTS episodes. Um, episode. Loads of people around the world take the IELTS test uh, to get a grade for their English, and more and more, it is becoming the world's number one test of English level. It's a notoriously tough test, which challenges many people around the world every day. So what wisdom can I impart to my loyal Lepsters who are hoping to prove themselves in the IELTS challenge? Well, quite a lot, I hope. Um, if you've never taken the test and never planned to, which may be quite a wise move, hopefully there will still be plenty to gain from this episode because um, advice for the test often works as pretty good advice for study skills in general. And I'll be talking throughout the episode about linguistic skills, challenges and advice and so on. So there's bound to be loads of useful language which you can pick up by listening to this. And yes, because I had to prepare this episode in advance, pretty much all of this is transcri transcribed and available for you at teacherluke.co.uk. Just find the page for this episode and away you go. You can read pretty much every single word that I'm saying to you. Um, so the IELTS test, IELTS, that's I-E-L-T-S, the IELTS test is administered by Cambridge University and is the UK standard test of English language level. It's used by academic institutions and employers as a way of gauging the English level of potential students or employees. It's an infamously difficult test and is a, a complete test of your English skills. Uh, many people have to take it before making progress in their career, uh, their studies, or just in their life in general. Others take it as a challenge or as a way to find out their real level in English. In this episode, I'm going to impart as much advice as I can for those who are planning to take the test. It's a complex and broad-ranging test, and I, I would need a whole series of episodes to deal with it fully. Uh, but here I'm going to give you as many hints and tips for each part of the exam as possible in just one single episode of the podcast. Many of the tips that I give here can also be applied to other Cambridge exams, like, for example, FCE, CAE, and the, the BEC exams, like BEC Vantage and BEC Higher, um, as Cambridge tend to use certain question types and techniques across all of those tests. Although, of course, the test formats and levels of challenge are a little bit different. But um, generally, the, many of the approaches that you can take for the IELTS test you can also apply to other Cambridge exams. To be completely honest, 
I wouldn't uh, normally have done this episode because it requires quite careful preparation. Um, A lot of this advice is quite valuable and I'm a little bit reluctant to just give it away for nothing. Um, And some people may find this a little bit dull, which I'm a bit worried about, hence the the exciting introduction. Um, So that's why I wouldn't normally have done this episode, but I am doing it now simply because so many people have requested it. And I know that there are some people out there who have no access to affordable resources for IELTS preparation, so that's why I'm, do- I'm doing it. People, to be honest, normally pay for this kind of advice for the IELTS test, uh, this kind of know-how, but I'm willing to give it to you here for nothing. Um, in return, please do consider making a donation to me if you can. Um, I've had to spend quite a lot of time preparing this episode. It includes some wisdom that I've developed after years of teaching IELTS classes off and on, and I've done it out of the out of generosity and as a favour to many of my listeners who have requested this information. I'm not really in the business of giving away all my advice and counsel free of charge, as I'm sure you can understand. So if you find any of my advice useful, please do consider making a contribution by clicking the PayPal button, which you will find on the page on teacherluke.co.uk, and then making a small donation. You can choose the amount... The most common amounts are five to ten pounds, but you can give as much or as little as you like. And of course, there is absolutely no obligation to give at all. It's completely up to you. So, where did I get all of this information about IELTS? Um, Well, a lot of this stuff just comes from my own head and my experience of leading students through IELTS preparation. But I haven't taught IELTS in a little while. So just to kind of refresh my memory, I also asked my British Council colleagues for their advice. And I looked at some British Council published material, which also includes lots of good tips. Um, By the way, I get quite a lot of teachers listening to this too. So as, as well as great students also who have good IELTS scores. So I'm sure that um, some of you out there have got some great insights and tips about IELTS as well. So please do share them in the comments section of this episode. Certainly if something occurs to you that I've missed, if you've got some really good pearls of wisdom about taking IELTS, then just add those things in the comments section. Um, you can download some useful stuff, and I suggest that there, that you do download some of this stuff. If you're serious about taking IELTS, then you will need some study materials. Um, you can buy preparation books from Cambridge University Press, uh, and you should also consider getting one of their books of practice tests too. They have like a sort of series of preparation books which lead you through, you know, developing your vocabulary and your skills. But they also have books which contain about four or five past IELTS papers and they're very useful uh, because it allows you to just like practice by doing the real test and you also get answers in the back and you get sample written uh, sample essays from the writing section with commentary on those sample essays too and that's a very good way of getting an idea of what you should be doing uh, in the writing section so you could consider buying uh, one of their practice test books from Cambridge but there are also some other useful things for you to download and if you go to the page for this episode you'll find links for all these things for example you could download the IELTS teacher's guide uh, which is from um, IELTS.com and this contains an overview of the test an explanation of the levels 
um, assessment criteria for the speaking and writing sections, which is very valuable. Assessment criteria, that's the, basically the um, the things that the examiners use uh, to help them judge your spoken English and your written English. So there are various categories that they're looking at. That's known as assessment criteria. It's a very good idea to have a look at those things so you know exactly what the judges um, are, are looking for. Okay, um, So you can also download IELTS test samples from IELTS.com and you'll find the link on the page for this episode Um, and so the test samples are invaluable for me because you can see the real tasks that you have to do so you don't actually need to buy the books of practice tests you can actually download some of it online Um, and it's it's really useful Uh, particularly useful are the sample writing tasks and answers because as I mentioned just now you can see the tasks and then read some answers from candidates and then read the assessment feedback by the examiners and I find this to be one of the best ways to get my students to reflect on what makes a good piece of writing so click the links uh, on the uh, on the page for this episode and you'll be taken to places where you can download all that stuff so what is IELTS first of all what is it well IELTS stands for the International English Language Testing System it's developed and administered by Cambridge University the British Council and IDP Australia the main point of the test is to determine language level it's impossible to pass or fail the test instead you're just given Uh, scores for your reading writing listening and speaking skills and then a global mark which is an average of all those scores so you're put on a scale uh, from one to nine and um, so there's no pass or fail it just gives you uh, a band meaning like um, a sort of idea of your your level from one being low and nine being like native level Um, it's a really difficult test and everyone finds it challenging okay everybody finds it challenging even native speakers have problems with this test and it's very very rare to get 100 percent. remember that by the way when you're taking the test and you're finding it difficult everyone finds it difficult okay it's meant to be difficult if you keep that in mind at all times uh it can you know help you to keep the stress under control Um, it's normal to find it difficult um so the score that you get from the test is a reflection of your English level. Many people use IELTS uh, IELTS levels as um, a standard for talking about language level. Okay, um, we tend to have IELTS levels uh, one to nine, and we also have the Common European Framework. You know things like A one, A two, B one, B two, C one, C two, stuff like that. Um, okay, so there are two types of IELTS tests: the general exam and the academic exam. Uh, the format is very similar between the two. In fact, the listening and speaking sections are the same in both tests Uh, for the academic test in the reading and listening uh, sections the topics are more academic Uh, in the in the reading and listening sections hold on a minute in the reading and writing sections sorry um, yeah the topics are more academic and you have to write a description of a diagram in the writing section sometimes the academic one is more popular and i've only i've only ever taught the academic one so that is what i'm focusing on in this episode of the podcast okay we're focusing on the academic test uh, although some of this uh, much of this will be applicable to the general test if that's what you're taking um 
Universities and employers will often require you to have a certain score, for example, a minimum IELTS level 7, to gain access to a course or a job. Uh, many people around the world are attempting to take the IELTS challenge, usually to prove their level of English as part of a university or job application, or just because they're masochists who like to make their own lives difficult. Um, the American equivalent of this is the TOEFL test, which is a completely different test, and I'm not talking about that one right now. Um, IELTS has a task-based approach and tests you on what you can do in English rather than what you know. Okay, For example, there are no grammar gap fills. Instead, your grammar is tested by your ability to achieve tasks in the written and spoken parts of the test. So basically, you just have to do certain tasks in all parts of the test. For example, to understand the general or specific meanings of reading texts, to be able to follow lectures and conversations in listening, uh, to be able to write several different types of uh, text, to speak about different things on your own or in a dialogue with someone else. So these are the sorts of tasks that they test you on. Um, and the assessment criteria includes, for example, your control and range of grammar and vocabulary, as well as other things. Um, the listening, reading and writing parts happen in the same session in the exam, but the speaking test is done at a different time, but often on the same day. The whole test lasts just under three hours. That's right, three hours. So that's quite a long time for you to concentrate, and that's three hours of very focused, um, very intense concentration. Okay, One of the challenges of the IELTS test is just um, training yourself to concentrate for that long. Um, now, before you take this exam, you must be prepared. Uh, this is my general advice for the exam. We'll go into the different sections in a minute. But before you take this exam, you must be prepared. Do not walk into the exam without having at least tried a few practice tests before and without knowing the structure of the, the exam. Okay, You need to be familiar with the format of the test so that it's not all new to you. It's a complex test. Uh, to a large extent, taking an IELTS course will train you on how to deal with the test itself as much as give you English training. So you need to know the test before you start. Um, as I said, practice tests can be found online. Um, and uh, so, let's see. You also, you should know the assessment criteria. You need to know what the examiners are looking for, especially in the writing and speaking parts. Assessment criteria can be found online uh, at the Cambridge IELTS website. Um, and I think, yes, I did uh, include a link for the teacher's guide, the teacher's pack for IELTS, and that includes assessment criteria. So, um, okay, I'm just reminding you to download all that stuff now. Uh, do some practice. Do each part of the test a few times separately and do a whole test in exam conditions at least once before you do it for real, because this will help you to practice concentrating for a long time, and it will also help you to learn about timing and about your strengths and weaknesses. So real test practice is vital. Um, you should time yourself when doing exercises. You should always be aware of how much time you have to do each part of the test. I mean, you should be aware of how much time you have to do each part of the test. And you should know how much time it takes you to do each part as well. Get yourself properly ready on the day on the day of the exam, and do what you can do, do whatever you can do to remove problems, to remove stress, so that you're calm and you're in a good mood. Get a good night's sleep before the exam, eat a proper breakfast, know the route to the test centre so that you're not late. Make the journey 
make the journey once before you actually do it for real. So go there once just to check it out in advance uh, so that you know how to get there. You do not want any unnecessary stress because the day may already be pretty stressful, okay? So you need to try and make it as, as easy uh, as possible for, for yourself. Uh, when you're practicing, stay positive. Remember that this is a difficult test and everyone struggles with it, even native speakers. Um, set yourself a goal as well. Aim for a certain percentage. For example, 70% for each section. Try and aim for a certain percentage. When you check your answers, um, you should learn from your mistakes. Where do you lose points and what do you need to do in order to fix that? Um, maximise your English input generally. So listen to lots of authentic English podcasts like Luke's English Podcast, for example. Um, read a lot of magazine and newspaper articles. Uh, fairly long magazine articles are best because they're quite similar to IELTS reading te uh, texts. Um, also, read some reports on data, anything with a graph, a diagram, or a table, and an accompanying report. This will help you with writing part one. You should try to keep an organised record of vocabulary, write new words in a notebook, and what, write whatever you need to remember those words. Okay, add examples in your notes, that's important, but also add mnemonic notes, you know, things that will help to jog your memory. Just any associ association uh, that will help you to remember those words. They could be vivid images or connections between that new word and things that you already remember. Uh, for example, if you want to remember the word plunge, you could connect it with an ex uh, connect it to an existing word in your language, um, or perhaps the sound of something dropping into water from a height. Plunge. It sounds a bit onomatopoeic, doesn't it? By the way, to plunge means to drop uh, very sort of um, sharply. To drop sharply. Often, if you're talking about a graph, a line graph, and you see that the line is going up, and then suddenly the line drops down dramatically, you can say that the you know uh, sales plunged in February for example. Okay, so uh, try and find new ways of remembering words. You may need to add little mnemonic techniques, um, connecting the word to something you already know, making a vivid image. Plunge. Doesn't it sound like something dropping into water from height? Plunge. So you can imagine something dropping down and into the water. All right, so that's just a mnemonic idea for remembering a word like plunge. Um, so in your notes, add anything to help you remember the word. Test yourself as well using your word list regularly. So don't just read through the word list, but instead you need to test yourself. So cover the word um, and define it, make example sentences, check the pronunciation in a dictionary, then reveal the word. You know, look at the definitions and then with the word covered and see if you can remember the word and then make some sentences using that word, that sort of thing. Don't just um, silently go through the list. You need to test yourself and actually say the words or produce sentences using those new words. Um, attending an IELTS preparation course is always a good idea. Um, it will almost certainly help you. But you must remember that you're, the, you're really the only one who is responsible for your success in this test. Even if you have a good teacher or a tutor, ultimately it comes down to you. Okay, so don't think that by attending an IELTS course, that's it. That's all you need to do. Um, it's, that's not the case. Don't think that sitting in an IELTS classroom for eight weeks will be all that you'll need to do. No, you, you still need to put in the effort yourself because it's, it's basically down to you. Um, the effort, concentration and time that you put in 
um, will pay off later. So take responsibility for your own progress, I would say that. Don't forget the seven Ps. What are the seven Ps? Well, it's practice, 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 practice. Uh, that's the seven Ps, all right? Um, you, you'll probably need to get hold of practice test materials. Um, as, I, as I've already mentioned, you can get them online. So let's get down to um, the reading paper. Um, let's talk about the reading paper first. So first thing I would say is, um, well, you'll be, you'll be given a number of texts with different types of questions that will test your understanding of the text, your ability to find specific bits of information, your ability to guess um, things from context, your ability to tr- sort of understand the general meaning of the text and to understand the attitude of the writer, uh, things like that. That These are things that the, the reading part is testing you on. Um, one thing I would say is that when you, when you open the, the test booklet and you see your reading text, don't read the entire text from start to finish before dealing with questions. Don't do that, okay? Don't feel that you have to read the whole text and then look at the questions. You don't have time and it's unnecessary. Instead, you should use the questions as a guide and then skim or scan the text in order to find the relevant answers. So you really need to focus on the questions and focus on the task which has been given to you very, very carefully. Make sure you understand the questions and the task first, and then use that as a guide in order to um, help you to focus on specific parts of the text, okay? I mentioned skimming and scanning. These are two vital reading skills which you may already be using, um, skimming means just like going, um, like reading the text, but not in a very deep way, just to get a general un- understanding of what it's about. Okay, so just like reading it really, like speed reading it, just to get an overall feeling of what the text is about. Scanning means that you're searching through the text to find a specific piece of information. Oh, that's the postman. I'm going to pause the podcast. Okay, I told you, didn't I, that I was waiting for the postman. Sorry to interrupt this bit about skimming and scanning. I will come back to it, but I did promise that um, uh, that if the postman arrived, I would open the package live uh, on Luke's English Pot. I'm, oh, I'm a bit out of breath. To be honest, I'm excited because I've been waiting for this package for a while, and I just ran down the stairs and ran back up again like an excited teenager at Christmas or something. Now, I, this, I did say that I'd ordered trainers, but these are not trained. This package is not a pair of shoes. This is something else. Uh, and it's for me, but it's not a pair of trainers. It's something else I ordered. Let's see. I just did a bit of online shopping in the, in the January sales, and I purchased not only a pair of nice Adidas sneakers, but I also bought a really nice Carhartt Parker. Carhartt, you know, it's, it's an American brand. They make sort of like sturdy uh, American workwear kind of stuff. And I bought this really nice black Parker. You know, a Parker is like a, a thick um, hooded coat. It's a long, thick hooded coat. Um, often the, the hood has like f- uh, some animal fur around it. This one doesn't have animal fur. It's a bit more simple than that. And it's really nice. That is really cool. And it seems really thick and warm. And it's got uh, epaulets on the shoulders. You know, those little things that go over the shoulders with buttons that look kind of cool. This is nice. I'm going to try it on. Um, if I, I did say that I would do this, remember, just to try and keep the episode 
slightly more uh, exciting and engaging. Um, all right, I'm trying the jacket on now. Let's see if it's the right size. Oh yeah, this is cool. I say it's cool, it's actually very warm. Ah, okay, I'm very happy with this. This is nice, the, the sleeves are the right length. It's like really solid. It's a really good, really well-made piece of clothing. Ah, that's lovely. Okay, good, great, I'm happy with that. I'm gonna keep that on for the rest of the episode. So you, you can um, just imagine that I'm sitting here nice and comfortable and nice and cosy and warm in my new Carhartt coat while I take you through this vital advice for anyone taking the IELTS test. Okay, so I was talking about skimming and scanning. Basically, sometimes you'll need to like very quickly, you know, run your eyes over the text to get a general understanding. And scanning, that's where you try and find specific things. Often you will find that you're scanning texts for names, dates, um, numbers, um, things like that. Okay, so scam, uh, scam, skim or scan the text to find relevant answers. Um, you'll need to use the title uh, of the, the the text, the introduction, and the final paragraph to get a general gist of the text and to help to give you context. Um, what you will often find is that um, by sort of skimming the text, skim reading the text, you'll find that the text is is organised in certain ways. Um, so, for example, you will find that one paragraph deals with one aspect of the subject, uh, another par- paragraph deals with another aspect of the subject. You need to identify the sort of main subjects of each paragraph. Um, sometimes the the the, um, the paragraph will contain a name or a date, and and the, the paragraph is basically about that thing. So, what you can do is highlight. Uh, the key words in each paragraph that give you an idea of what subjects are dealt with in each in each paragraph and then you'll find that the questions often will ask you about those particular names or dates or things and you can then navigate the text more easily it may be necessary to draw lines or to highlight the text in some way to help you navigate that text more easily these are the things that you should be doing while reading okay you you go through the questions and you search through the text and you sort of Try and break up the text a little bit just to help you visually um, navigate it. Okay. Um, You don't get transfer time in this section. What do I mean by transfer time? Well, in the real exam, you'll have um, an answer sheet. That's a, a page where you can just very quickly write your answers in. It's usually like A, B, C, or D, or quick word, or something like that. Um, So you don't actually get transfer time in this section, unlike in the listening section, where I think you get a few minutes to just uh, add your answers to the answer sheet. In this reading section, you don't get that time. So make sure that you add your answers to the answer sheet properly as you go, all right? Um, Don't bother marking your answers temporarily in pencil before finalising them later. Don't bother to do that. Just add your final answer there and then in pen because you won't have time to come back and confirm them later. You know what I mean? Some people write the answer in pencil first uh, and then later on they go back and they write over them in pen. Don't bother. Just write them in pen immediately. You don't have time. You get 60 minutes. Um, If you finish way too early, then there's something wrong. Okay? And pay attention to this in your... 
in in your practice if you're finishing way earlier than 60 minutes then you're doing something wrong you're not reading carefully enough you're not focusing on the questions uh you're not paying enough attention um so if you struggle to complete the the reading section in time there's also something wrong there it means you're taking too long that there's uh you're reading things that you don't necessarily need to be reading there's there's an issue you just need to try and pick up the pace now ideally it will take you exactly 60 minutes to complete the test okay that's in an ideal world so that's what you should be aiming for Um, do not get stuck on just one question and dwell on it for a long time if you find that there's a question you can't answer don't sit on it for ages just move on to the next question and come back to that question later if you have time. Sometimes people with very good reading skills will lose lots of points because they let one or two questions ruin the rest of the test. Do not let individual questions bother you. If you can't answer them, move on to the next one. All right? Okay. Um, Next piece of advice, do not panic. Okay? Don't panic. It's never that bad. Stay positive throughout the test, even if you feel like you're not doing very well. The test is not designed to make you feel like you're doing well. It's not supposed to be pleasant and rewarding, so it probably won't be. In fact, the test is pretty much designed to be horrible. So if it is horrible, good, that's normal. Um, I would say just pick the answer that, that you think is right and move on. Sometimes you will need to choose the least bad option okay um sometimes you'll get a question with a few different options some some by the way some of the questions are multiple choice some of them aren't Uh, i don't really have time to go into all the different question types um but needless to say sometimes you'll 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 need to choose the least bad option that's the option which is kind of like less uh incorrect than the others you know uh, sometimes it'll it'll be a question of just cancelling out the wrong answers until you're left with uh, just one. All right. So remember that. Try and choose not only the 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 most correct option, but also think about which is the least bad option. Sometimes that's a good way of finding the answer. Um, the reading test often tricks you with distractors. Distractors. These are things that distract you away from the correct answer. It could be a word that's similar to a word in the question, uh, but it's not the right answer. Okay, you may find synonyms in the text, but be sure that they are the right answer. Uh, so you should expect distractors and tricks, and notice them when you see them. Don't assume that because the answer seems correct that it's the right answer. Just pay attention they may be trying to trick you all right synonyms and paraphrasing are often used in the reading section okay so watch out for words uh, or phrases in the question with words or phrases with similar meaning in the reading text okay Uh, and they could be structured in the form of opposites as well sometimes you know it's a it's a, a way of saying the same thing you just use an opposite with different grammar so watch out for ways of saying the same thing between the question and the and the text, okay? Also, watch out for reference words, especially when you're adding sentences into paragraphs. Um, this kind of task tests your understanding of text cohesion. There are lots of words in English that refer to other parts of a text, words before and words after. These are words like like this, these, that, those, and it and other devices that allow the writer to repeat him or herself by using different words. So words like this, these, that, those, and it will often be used to link up a text together 
they use those words to refer back or refer forward to other parts of the text. So watch out for ref reference words and identify which other words they refer to. So when you see, you know, this written in the text, think, what does this mean here? Which other word does this refer to? And that can that can help you find the right answer, okay? Um, just like in the listening section, look at gaps that you have to complete and use your knowledge of grammar to predict what kind of word is needed. What I mean by that is that it's possible to look at the question, um, often that has a gap in it, um, and sort of use your knowledge of grammar to guess what kind of word goes in that gap. So it could be like a noun or a verb or a uh, a date or a length of time or something like that or a number and once you've worked out what kind of thing goes in the gap it can help you to try and find the answer a little bit more effectively um, so you have to imagine that you're a text detective looking for clues okay imagine you're like Sherlock Holmes searching the text for clues it's more fun that way basically um, so you need to read in a clever way skim for general understanding scan for specific information um, hold the question or sentence in mind while you're reading the text. In in the reading section, it may be a question, it may be um, a, a, a sentence that you need to put back into the text in the right place. So you need to read that question very carefully, read that sentence, and hold it in mind, hold the general meaning of it in mind uh, while you're reading the text. So you've got it, you've got that sentence in your mind, you're reading, scanning through the text, um, so it's a question of multitasking. You have to multitask a lot. You should be constantly going from question to text, question to text, keeping the question in mind while searching for the relevant section of the text uh, with the answer. So you do spend a lot of time moving um, between the questions and the text. You need to go back to the questions to remind yourself of what exactly you're looking for and then back into the text. Um, use a highlighter pen to highlight keywords in the questions and in the text. It can help you to focus on the right information that you're looking for. Um, use a pen to break up the text. Divide the, t the, the text with a pen to help you navigate it. Uh, remember, remember this, the answers must come only from the text. And that's true for the listening section too. The answers only come from the text. They do not come from your knowledge or your deductive reasoning. Okay, it's just based on what is written in the text. Even if you disagree with the information or you think you know better, it's a reading test. It's not a general knowledge quiz. So all the information must come only from the text, not from your knowledge. Um, if a text is on a topic that you don't know, it doesn't matter, okay? You don't need to be an expert on the subject. It's all just about language and no specific terminology or overly technical jargon is used in the test. So remember, it's just about your reading skills. It's not about your your level of knowledge. Um, now, true, false, not given. This is one of the sections in the reading test where you have to decide whether a sentence is true or false or just not mentioned. And it's probably the hardest section. So remember this, does the text directly contradict the sentence? Does the text say, um, you know, completely, uh, does it completely uh, contradict the sentence? If it's yes, then the sentence is false. If the text does not specifically deal with the point in the sentence either way, then it's not given. Watch out for that. If you're guessing the answers in the true, false or not given section, if you don't have time and you're just guessing, 
don't choose not given because it's the least frequent answer okay so if you if you need to guess in that section choose true or false don't choose not given because it's it's less uh frequent as an answer um if you don't know a word you can pretty often just guess what it means from the context um, you'd be surprised at how accurate my students' guesses are when I ask them to guess from context. Is the word positive or negative? What kind of word is it? Make an educated guess based on the context of the word, and you'll actually be closer than you think. That's what you should do when you when you when you find a word that you don't understand. Read around the word. Look at the grammatical context. Try and work out you know uh, if it's negative or positive. You've got to be like Sherlock Holmes, and then using your deductive skills, you can get a pretty good. Um, guess of what that word means okay so practice that practice uh, trying to guess the meaning of words that you don't know whenever you're reading if you come up come up against a word that you don't know in your practice don't immediately go to the, dic- the dictionary first create your own definition for that word and then check it in the in the dictionary later on um, and you may discover that you know sometimes your guess is absolutely right um, and practicing that skill more and more is is very important and you can use that not just in the IELTS test but generally in the future it's a good bit of studying uh, study know-how that is um, you really must tolerate a bit of ambiguity and some level of confusion it's normal to be confused and you will often be out of your comfort zone during this test so you need to learn to operate in that place you, you need to learn to operate when you're out of your comfort zone. So for practice, you should be reading magazine articles that are quite difficult um, or, you know, IELTS reading practice uh, exercises. You're not reading for pleasure here. You're reading to practice reading in adverse circumstances in which you're guessing what a lot of it means. Tolerating not... You have to tolerate not understanding some things Uh, filling the blanks in your head and doing it all in about 20 minutes that's right you need to spend about 20 minutes on each text Um, texts are often divided into sections as i mentioned earlier these could be dates or types of thing or people Um, highlight these so that you can navigate the text easily for example um, it could be a, a scientific article about key discoveries the text could deal with each discovery one by one Uh, with a paragraph explaining some things about each discovery. You can then divide the text into sections that deal with each each discovery. This will help you then scan for specific details. Um, You can write all over the question paper if you want to. You can write write as many notes around the text as you want. It doesn't matter. Um, You need to do loads and loads of reading practice, okay? So read every day. Pick magazines or websites that are not too specific, um... For example, you know, not super specific kind of fashion magazines or financial papers, although the financial papers do contain some uh, useful stuff about describing graphs and tables. Uh, But you should try and choose magazines that have articles on lots of subjects. Um, Articles should be quite long. So look at things like Time magazine or publications like The Week. Uh, general interest uh, articles 
that are quite long. Um, yes, it, it is quite a long test, which confirms to me that episodes of Luke's English podcast should also be long. I'm convinced that it's good to practice long-term listening. That means listening for longer periods, but also listening long-term in your life. Um, regular listening to extended periods is bound to have a great effect on your English. Um, if you are a regular leper, then you're already at an advantage. Remember that when you're taking the test, just remember that. That's it. Remember that. Remember that you've you've got an advantage being a leper. Remember that when you're taking the test. Just look around the room. Look at the other candidates and think, these poor losers. They don't listen to LEP. What chance do they possibly have? Um, so feel good about yourself, all right? Uh, not too much. Don't become big-headed or anything. Let's move on to the listening paper. And so I need to move pretty quickly. I want to try and get all of this done within the hour. Let's see. Um, so let's move on to the listening paper. Um, so usually you have to complete some notes or sentences based on conversations or lectures. You may also have some um, multiple choice questions to deal with in the listening paper. Uh, remember, uh, what was I going to say remember? I've forgotten. Anyway, ha, huh, that's kind of a joke, unintentional. Right, make sure that you know what kind of thing you're going to hear, okay? Be prepared, look at the notes that you have to complete to get an overall overall idea of the challenge that you face, okay? So quickly look through the notes that you've got there. Typically, you'll be like uh, listening to an extract from a student lecture and you've got some notes written and the notes contain blanks. So quickly look at those notes, try and work out what the subject of the lecture will be, uh, what kinds of things they're going to talk about. You can look at the, the gaps in, in the notes and try and work out what kind of words are missing. All of these things um, will help you to focus your attention more specifically on the listening that you, that you hear. Okay. Um, make sure that you've seen all the gaps and notes that you have to complete so that you don't miss anything. Um, sometimes you'll find that there are gaps in a little section of the page that you didn't notice before, so watch out for that. Um, predict the answers. Okay, Use bits of time that you have uh, to look at the questions and predict what kind of thing you're going to hear. Look at the gaps and predict what kind of information goes in each gap. Is it a noun, a verb, a number, a date, a name? Maybe you can predict the answers yourself. Uh, this will help you to focus more uh, properly on the listening when it happens. Scribble some notes on the exam paper. Again, you can write all over the exam paper. It doesn't matter. Um, you can just write loads of notes, whatever you want to do. Sometimes later questions will give you clues about earlier answers. Okay, um, so if there's, there's a question that you missed or something you missed, sometimes later questions will help you to, to actually get those right. But be careful of, about jumping ahead or jumping backwards too much. What you need to do really is just stay with the flow of the listening and follow it in the notes that you're completing. That's really important. Don't get left behind. Try and keep up with the recording. Okay, um, if you get left behind, you're going to miss lots of lots of answers. Again, practice, 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 practice. It's very important. If you don't know an answer, don't get stuck. Move on to the next one and don't lose the recording. You've got to keep up with the recording. Um, you can use the notes to make sure that you're synchronised between listening to the recording and reading the notes. Make sure that you are at the right place in the notes. Again, if you miss an answer, just forget it and move on. Don't let one bad question ruin all the others. Just keeping up with the recording is vital. Um, pay attention to what is written around the gap that you're expecting. You may find that words in the notes after the gap will help you to get the answer. 
I mean, the recording may refer to some words that follow the gap you're looking at, and a couple of gaps may be covered by just one sentence in the recording, so be aware of the general context around the gap that you're looking at. Remember that the answers are based on the content of the listening only. You might know the answer from your general knowledge, but it's vital that you give the answer that is given in the listening. Pay attention to your spelling. You've got to get your spelling right. Watch out for distractors and tricks which are designed to fool you. Listen carefully at all times and be sure that your answer is right. I mean, that's that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Uh, but watch out for those distractors, just like in the reading section. They will try and um, make you... They'll, they'll try and make you give one answer, but keep listening because it might just be a trick. Watch out. Um, pay attention when completing uh, your answer sheet. Make sure that you're doing it correctly. People sometimes switch off when doing this, but one simple mistake on your answer sheet can make all of the other answers wrong. So be careful that you're, you're completing the answer sheet uh, correctly. Uh, use your knowledge of grammar to help you predict answers. For example, does the gap contain a noun or a verb or whatever? Um, never ever leave a blank space on the answer sheet in a multiple choice situation. Okay, Never leave a blank uh, uh, answer. Put something and, and then you've at least got a 25% chance of a right answer. Okay. Uh, remember that you will probably not hear the same words in the recording as you can see written in the sentences that you're completing. So you must always be on the lookout for synonyms, different ways of saying the same thing. This is really important in IELTS. It's all about synonyms at a lexical and grammatical level. So watch out for things that mean the same thing. For example, he wants to get on, but he doesn't have enough money to pay for university. And on the answer sheet, you might see he wants to advance. So to get on and to, to advance are synonyms, okay? When you're thinking of what keywords to listen for, think of synonyms that you might hear along with the word used in, in the question. Watch out for paraphrasing, like in the previous point. For example, um, less than a quarter of university students took part. Um, and on the answer sheet, you might see only 23% of candidates actually sat the examination. So less than a quarter and only 23%, they're synonymous. Get used to listening to numbers in English, like the difference between 13 and 30. Okay, 13, 30, 14, 40, 15, 50, 16, 60, 17, 70, 18, 80. 1990. Okay, just watch out for those dates. Obviously, the teens 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, teen, they've got teen at the end. It's a longer sound in the second syllable. Uh, the others, like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, uh, it's a T sound. It's not as long. Okay, just try and watch out for that. Also, as I mentioned, watch out for spelling and punctuation, especially capitalization of names and places. If you're in any doubt, about whether it should be capital letters or lowercase letters, you can just write everything in capital letters because you won't be penalised for it. But you are penalised for failing to write a capital where appropriate. For example, if you write the word London, but you don't put a capital L, then you will be penalised. But if you write London and every single word, every single let letter is capital, you're, you're all right. You won't be penalised. So if in doubt, just write everything in capital letters. 
Um, listen a lot, of course, just generally um, as practice. Listen, listen, listen. Um, as mentioned earlier, there are tests available online, but you could make your own tests. You could copy paste and uh, a Luke's English podcast transcript into a Word document, and then gap a bunch of random words, and then listen and fill the gaps. But then again, there will be no disparity there between the notes and the listening. So really, you should be trying to use listening tasks, IELTS listening tasks. Alternatively, you can just surf the the internet for IELTS listening practice exercises. Um, There are no shortcuts, okay, to, to success in IELTS. You just need to practice and to be positive. Right, let's move on to the writing paper then. Um, as an overview, you have an hour to do two tasks. You should p- spend probably about 20 minutes on part one and 40 minutes on part two. The second part gives you more points and it requires more time to do properly. In fact, you get twice as many points in part two as you do in part one. So make sure that you don't spend any more than about 20 minutes on part one, which should leave you with 40 minutes to do part two. Time is the big challenge here. One hour is not very long, okay? It really isn't. So you need to, again, practice doing writing papers again and again if you can. Practice is vital if you want to do your best. You must get used to the timing, the task types, concentrating for a long time, and dealing with the visual data in part one. You also need to practice part two in order to get used to organising your ideas into paragraphs and developing your ideas. Remember, what I'm giving you now is an overview, as I can't go into massive amounts of depth. To be honest, though, the best thing you can do is practice a lot. Okay? How, how are you all doing out there, ladies and gentlemen, in podcast land? How are you? Are you still focusing? Are you still awake? If it helps you uh, just to visualise things, I'm having a lovely time here in my nice new Carhartt uh, Parker jacket. It's lovely and warm. Um, the sun is shining, so I'm getting sunshine here in the Sky Pod. It's it's really a nice experience. Um, those of you out there who are listening to this who have no plans to take the IELTS test, you're probably feeling very uh, smug at this point, thinking, God, I'm glad I don't have to do this. Those of you who are planning to take the IELTS test... I don't know how you feel. Maybe you're stressing out a little bit because it is quite a stressful uh, thing listening to all this advice. But I would say, remember, don't panic. Stay positive and just try and apply the things that I'm telling you. I am trying to cram in lots of information into just a one-hour episode. Um, let's get back down to it. It also helps if you have access to the marking criteria for the writing and speaking parts. This does contain some jargon like technical language for for teachers, but it is very helpful to know what the examiners are thinking while they're reading your work and exactly how your English is being judged. I must try and add in some details about the marking criteria, um, but uh, I'm not sure I'm going to have time to go through all the marking criteria, but don't forget, if you download that IELTS teachers pack, that does contain marking criteria there. Uh, Make sure that you read the instructions for the task really carefully. Make sure you know exactly what you are expected to write. Don't make a stupid mistake and write about the wrong thing. Always read the instructions carefully. Don't write in note form or in bullet points in either essay. Okay, no bullet points. You need to write full sentences and full paragraphs. Don't memorise a standard model answer that you can just repeat during the exam. No, this just won't work because the data will be different, the question will be different, you need to be adaptable. Um, Okay, so don't just memorise a standard model answer. 
When you've finished, always check your writing for little errors. Proofread every time. It can save you some points. Okay, uh, here's a useful link. Uh, check this link because it will give you some writing, uh, some sample writing tasks and sample answers with examiner's feedback. It's very useful indeed because you can see what the examiners are looking for. So there's a link here on the page. And if you're following this, you can just click that link right now. Pause the podcast, have a little look, download the stuff, use it later. Let's look at writing part one. So you will be given some visual data and you have 150 words to summarise it. Imagine you're writing a summary for your teacher, okay? Uh, So you'll be given some data. It could be a graph, a table, something like that. It always helps to imagine that you're writing for a real person. Either the teacher, as it says in the task, or just the examiner, who is probably a middle-aged man or woman who has a massive pile of exam papers on his or her desk, and he or she has seen hundreds of these papers before. Okay, so remember that. First impressions do count. Try to write neatly. Make sure that you leave clear spaces between paragraphs. Spell correctly. Use the right punctuation and capitalization. Make sure your margins are straight. The margin is the line that goes down the side of your your essay. Make sure that you keep a straight margin. Don't let your margin drift diagonally down across the middle of the page. Make your writing look nice, okay, because it's going to make a good first impression good first in, first impressions are very important a neatly presented piece of writing is definitely going to going to have a better chance of getting a good mark also considering your reader can help you create better writing which is more readable pleasant and engaging in fact effect on the reader is one of the criteria used by cambridge good effect on the reader means that the reader has quite a pleasant experience with your writing it's clear it's a smooth reading experience it's coherent it doesn't require lots of effort to understand and the style is appropriate okay Uh, by the way the style for your ielts writing is quite formal uh, formal to neutral that means no contractions it's not overly familiar like an email to a friend Put it in the kind of style that would be appropriate for a potential business partner or for an older teacher or a superior in your company, all right? Um, So you have to summarise some visual data. It could be a table, it could be a line graph, it could be a bar chart, it could be a pie chart, or even a diagram to describe a process. Uh, There's also a title and a short explanation of the diagram. So study the diagram carefully and make sure that you understand basically what it represents. Take some time to understand it because this is a really important stage. If you don't understand the data, your writing will stink, okay? Study each axis on a graph. Make sure that you know what the factors are in the data. Make a note of the main trends in the data too. You can't You probably can't explain absolutely every detail, so you need to find the most significant aspects of the data and then explain that, okay? Explain what the data, um, what the factors are, and then explain what the trends are in the data. Uh, You may want to use a highlighter pen to highlight the keywords in the task. Um, 
How many paragraphs? Probably about two paragraphs, a quick introduction and then a description of the data. There's no need for a conclusion, okay? You'll need linking phrases for addition and contrast, particularly for contrast, as this task often involves explaining two sets of data, including their similarities and significant differences. You will probably need the language of trends. That's verbs and nouns like climb, rise, shoot up, drop, plunge, level out, etc. You can find examples of linking language and trends language for IELTS by clicking this link. Again, if you're following this episode on my website, you'll find a link there. Uh, and also just by doing Google searches for IELTS Part 1 Writing Useful Language Linking Trends. Okay. Uh, in the introduction, you can paraphrase the description given in the task. Do not copy phrases from the diagram or task instructions. You must try to paraphrase every time. In your introduction, you can just explain what the diagram is about and paraphrase what's written in the in the description on the uh, exam task. Um, then in the next paragraph, the main paragraph, explain the data so that the reader can copy the graph without seeing it. If the data is very complex, just focus on the most significant details. You don't have to explain why the data is the way it is, just describe what you see. Okay? Plan your writing quickly in advance by noting the basic points that you will make. Um, make a little plan. Never try and do some writing without planning it first. It ends up being a mess. So just sketch a little plan uh, on the question paper somewhere. Um, as I said, you should never start planning, sorry, you should never start writing without planning, even in a simple way. Just plan just a couple of things so that you know in advance what you're going to write before you start writing. You've got 20 minutes. Stick to the word count of 150 words if possible. It's okay if you're a few words over or a few words under, that's, that's forgivable. Um, now, 150 words should be possible if you're explaining the main points with the right level of detail. Again, doing lots of reading can help you out a lot. Try reading magazines or newspapers which have diagrams and graphs and things, scientific magazines, uh, stuff like that, okay? Um, so let's move on to reading uh, to writing part two. As always, read the instructions carefully and understand the question. Okay, read the instructions carefully and understand the question. Sorry for shouting, but students commonly lose points by not answering the question. One of the assessment criteria is task achievement. You have to do what the task tells you to do. And if you if you don't do that, you will be punished a lot. You will lose lots of points if you don't directly answer the question. No matter how well it's written, if you're not dealing with the question, you'll lose massive points. Okay. In part two, you have to write a short discursive essay in response to a question or a statement. For example, you may be asked to write about whether you agree or disagree with something or consider arguments relating to an issue. It could be the environment or reducing crime or the effect of video games on kids, things like that. Again, plan your answer carefully. Spend a bit of time thinking about the question, making sure that you definitely understand what you have to do. Consider your points and how you will develop them. You'll probably write about four paragraphs, okay? The examiner, uh, when reading your essay, is checking for these things, all right? Did the person complete the task? Did they write an essay um, that dealt with the, the, uh, the task as it was given? Did the candidate explain whether they agree or disagree with the subject, developing their points clearly? 
Is the writing clearly structured and coherent? Is there a wide range of vocabulary and grammar used accurately? Are the words spelled correctly? The answers to all of those questions should be yes. Uh, remember to show the examiner what you can do, okay? Show off a little bit. Use a good range of language. Don't repeat yourself too much. Don't just use simple words like good, bad, or nice. Try and find a variety of different ways of saying those things. By the way, it's not all about idioms. It's not just a question of throwing in as many idioms as you can. Uh, they are just a part of the vocabulary that we use. Don't feel the need to write in idioms exclusively because that can come across as unnecessary and even unclear. Be clear, be specific, be understandable. Achieving the task is your first goal, not just showing off your English, although you should do this a little bit. Once you've properly understood the subject that you're going to write about, carefully consider your point of view. Try to come up with several clear arguments on both sides. Restrict yourself to one or two points on each side of the argument. Just one or two points. That's it. Add one or two points to each paragraph and make sure the points are clearly and logically developed. Do not add new points randomly at the end of paragraphs or in the conclusion and with no development. Okay. Now, don't write anything without planning first. Choose the points that you will state and develop and make a little plan. You can write on the exam paper. Sketch a plan with notes on how you can develop your idea. You can follow the plan when you write. Don't try to plan and write at the same time because it results in incoherent writing. Um, so do not just open the writing section, look at the question and immediately start writing. No, because what, you, what will happen is you'll end up with a kind of stream of consciousness um, and it will be disorganised. So organise first, start writing second. Uh, so in paragraph one, this is basically an introduction. Don't copy anything from the task. Use your own words and explain the topic of the essay. Keep it simple. Explain the issue and then the fact that you're going to deal with it. Then, in the main body of the essay, that's the two middle paragraphs, you can either cover both sides of the argument in a balanced way or just argue in favour of one side. Personally, I prefer the first idea, covering both sides of the argument. And if you take the second option, just one side, you'll probably have to mention the other side of the argument anyway. So let's choose the contrastive approach, contrasting both sides of the argument. Are you okay, listeners? Are you all right? This is an hour and nearly two minutes now, and we're only in the reading, the writing section. There's still the speaking section to come, but I'm glad that you're you're focused. This is an episode that you can listen to again and again if you need to take the IELTS test, and I suggest that you do that. Anyway, let's not waste any more time. Let's push forwards. Okay, so we're we're dealing with a, a contrasting two sides of an argument. Okay, so in paragraph two. Uh, let's deal with two arguments for. Does that make sense? Two arguments uh, in favour of, of the, the point. Two arguments why you agree, let's say. You start with a topic sentence. That's very important. That's the first line of the paragraph is a topic sentence. This basically summarises your point of view. It explains the topic of that paragraph. Okay. Um, I've given myself a note here. I need to come up with an example. Um, let's say if we're dealing with... This is an example. Um, uh, many people say that computer games are a bad influence on children and um, can cause uh, violent attacks. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? 
So you've got your introduction where you say, you know, computer games are becoming more and more popular, um, and uh, there are also lots of uh, violent crimes and mass shootings, for example, things we see in high schools in the USA. Many people say that these are the results of the influence of computer games. In this essay, we're going to evaluate whether uh, this is true or not. Okay, In your first paragraph, you could, let's say, uh, argue that uh, it's true. So you could say uh, um, computer games have uh, um, a direct influence on the behaviour of children. That's your, that's your topic sentence. And then you develop it. Okay, Develop that point over the next couple of sentences. Go deeper. Tell us why this is uh, a point for or against. Go further into the issue. See the bigger picture. Okay, explain why. It's always useful to think why. When you've made a point, think why and then explain the reason why in the next sentence. Okay, so that's how you see the bigger picture. Uh, you could use an example as well. Uh, but remember, you don't have many words, so just use a couple of sentences to develop your point. You really do need to try and keep it brief. Um, then add your second point. Four. So the second point uh, in favour of the argument. Again, topic sentence, some development, maybe an example. You may need to use a linking word for addition here, like, for example, saying in addition. That's how you add your second argument. So make sure all these ideas are logically linked with the correct linking words. Then in paragraph three, you look at the arguments against. Again, begin with a topic sentence before developing the idea. You'll probably have to use a linking word for contrast, like however, which usually goes at the beginning of a sentence. Sorry I can't go into all the details of specific linking words and stuff like that in this episode. There just isn't time. But as I said before, you can do some Google searches and find some nice useful stuff online to help you practice your linking words. Um, then you finish it all off uh, in the fourth paragraph with your conclusion in which you give an overall summary of what you've already stated. Remember to answer the question in the task, okay? That's a good way to focus your attention in the in the conclusion. Just try to directly answer the question at the end of the essay. Do you agree or not? You could use a phrase like on balance, which is a nice way of sort of showing that, you know, after looking at both sides of the argument on balance, this is what I think. Um, sorry, I'm not going into more specific like wordings that you could use, but as I said, not enough time. Um, so that's pretty much it for the writing. Don't forget to click all the links that uh, I've given you and get all that useful stuff from the IELTS website. That'll help you a lot. If you're not taking the IELTS test, you can just feel very relaxed and relieved and happy, okay, at this point. Right, speaking test. Uh, this is the final part. The speaking test. It's in three sections. So um, let's see. The, the speaking part is in three sections and it lasts about 11 to 14 minutes. So it's pretty short. Uh, part one, which lasts about five minutes. Um, the examiner introduced, introduces him or herself and asks you to introduce yourself. Uh, probably by saying, what's your name, where are you from, things like that. Now, you don't need to go into massive detail about where you're from and who you are. You don't need to give your whole life story. Just a few sentences is enough. It's good to add a little bit of extra information, but don't go overboard. 
for example you know the examiner says what's your name and you say my name's uh, luke uh, daniel thompson i come from a long line of thompsons i'm a thompson my dad is a thompson my grandfather was thompson my great great grandfather was a thompson we come from a lineage of probably sort of anglo-saxon brits um there doesn't seem to be any celtic blood in our family so i i imagine that uh, uh, our, our our ancestors probably came from scandinavia or something like that but uh, i'm anglo-saxon british person so you don't need to go into all of that detail. You can just say, hi, I'm Luke. I come from Birmingham, which is a big city in the centre of England. Okay, just a little bit of extra information, but not too much. Um, the examiner will then ask you some general questions on familiar topics. So just relax and be sociable. Okay, answer the questions and give a little bit of extra information, but don't give too little. Um, this is your time to shine but also don't give too much. The worst thing you can do, by far the worst thing you can do in the uh, speaking section, is to be silent, okay? Uh, This is an opportunity for you to show off your speaking. Don't do it too much, but remember, uh, it's not a case of less is more, okay? I would say also, don't worry about errors. Don't get get distracted by accuracy, because fluency and communicative competence are, are more important okay make an effort to engage with the examiner and yes use a bit of your magical charm you're such a charming person uh when you're comfortable use that charm a little bit to try and create a little bit of a rapport with the examiner use a little bit of charm unconsciously subconsciously that examiner is going to like you try to make the examiner like you a little bit don't go overboard i mean don't start uh, flirting with the examiner not too much anyway but anyway it is a natural conversation so you will need to use a little bit of your charm and just try and enjoy talking to the examiner if that's possible um so part one is not really too tricky just be yourself just use it as a chance to warm up don't be too quiet and yet don't talk too much um, part two is about four minutes long and um, and in this part you basically will be given a chance to talk about something for one or two minutes so it's 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 like you giving it's they call it the long turn and it means you're expected to talk on your own for um, for about one or two minutes so the examiner gives you a card with a topic and some ideas and you have to talk about it for about two minutes Uh, for example it could be this describe something which you own which is very important to you and you should say where you got it how long you've had it what you use it for and explain why it's important to you so you do get some time to prepare you have about one minute to prepare yourself so it's a good idea to plan your talk and make a couple of notes try to illustrate your points with examples this is really important and helps to bring your speech to life have a little introduction it doesn't have to be very long maybe just one sentence which introduces your talk for example i'd like to tell you about my laptop because it's something that i couldn't live without then you go through all the points explaining why your laptop or whatever it is is so important to you adding any details that you noted before close the speech if possible by saying one line you could say something like and that's why uh my laptop is so important to me Mm -hmm. um the examiner will then ask you a couple of other questions based on your topic for part two before going on to part three okay so in part three this lasts about five minutes and involves the examiner asking you discussion questions based on the topic of part three 
So whereas part one was a nice little chat about familiar things, part three is a more is more challenging because you're expected to talk about more abstract topics. This is your chance to show your ability to engage in a discussion, agreeing, disagreeing, giving opinions, showing off your range of grammar and vocabulary. Again, don't worry about accuracy the whole time. Being understandable, getting your points across, being able to achieve the task are far more important than being accurate. Obviously, it's good to be accurate, but don't let it uh, distract you too much. If you're worried about being correct or even forcing in some idioms or specific vocabulary, then you won't be thinking about the task at hand, which is expressing your opinion and discussing, dis- discussing or even discussing the questions. Don't forget the importance of communicative interaction and task achievement. Okay. Of course, remember the seven Ps. Practice, 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 practice. Find a partner if you can, and discuss some topics with that partner to practice. You can use IELTS Speaking Part 3 samples, which you can find by just Googling for it. Try try, try being able to speak proper English like uh, like, uh, I struggle to sometimes. Uh, Try recording yourself if you can bear it. Then you can listen back to yourself, you get an idea of where you are. Uh, when you listen back to yourself, imagine you're an examiner, use the assessment criteria, judge your own speaking. Um, if you can bear to do that, it is a good way of um, improving your, your speaking. All right. So I would say just get used to responding quickly, giving examples, speaking from personal experience. The more you practice, the easier it will be in the real test. Okay. It should be like second nature. You should go into the exam room feeling ready, feeling like you've done this shit loads of times before. Okay? So the golden rule, just stay cool, fool, because you gots to chill. You gots to chill. 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 Okay, well done for making it all the way to the end of this IELTS-themed episode of Luke's English Podcast. It may have been something of a special interest episode, those of you who've requested this episode in the past, then, um, you know, you're welcome. I did it just for you. Those of you who uh, have no intention of taking the IELTS test in the future, then you can just feel smug and warm and self-satisfied in the knowledge that you will not have to go through this painful nightmare. If, um, if you're worried or stressed out about taking IELTS, well, you know, you're not alone, basically. It's, it's one of those things that lots of people have to go through. Um, just try and keep cool. Remember, you've got to chill. I grab the steel with the crown on the top in the beginning. I like to let my rhymes flow. And at 12, I press cruise control. So uh, that's pretty much the end of this episode. It's been about an hour and 15 minutes. As I said earlier, it might be a good idea to listen to this again and again if you just, um, you know, I went through all that stuff pretty quickly. It might be hard for you to, like, pick it up all, pick all of it up and remember it all. So I do suggest that you go back and listen again and again. Of course, you can find a full transcript, pretty much a full transcript for this episode by going to teacherluke.co.uk and finding it all. Um, Share it with your friends, ladies and gents. Do share this with your friends. Spread the word. Um, 
and uh, thanks for listening. By the way, you should go to teacherluke.co.uk um, and add your email address to join the mailing list. You'll find a little um, section on the right-hand side of the website where you can add your email address. And that way you will be sent an email every time I upload a new episode of the podcast so you know uh, you know, when new stuff is available. If you ever struggle to keep up with all the new episodes, then you know, don't worry. You can just come back to it in your own time. I like to think that uh, each episode you know, is um, something you can listen to independently of the others. Um, so you know just take your time it's all good it's all good in the hood Um, don't forget uh, Facebook I'm on Facebook and Twitter so you can follow me there Um, I think that's it for this episode if you feel like you've benefited from this um, and if you want to reward me for my hard work and encourage me to do more of this kind of thing in the future then uh, you could always consider giving me a short donation a short donation or a small donation, or even a large donation, or a long donation. I don't know what a long donation would be. Um, Anyway, you could do that. There are buttons on the website that say donate. Just click there and you can use uh, PayPal to send me a little bit of money. There are, I think, other ways of doing it. If you go to teacherluke.co.uk and click the button that says support Luke, there are some other ways that you can lend your support to me too. All right, so I think that's the end of this episode. It's been a joy and a pleasure in a, in a weird way for me to talk about IELTS for you. I never thought that I'd say that. Uh, I never thought that IELTS would be such a, um, an engaging topic. Uh, but there it is. There it, there, it's, there it is. There it has been. Uh, this episode of Luke's English Podcast all about IELTS. I'm now going to go downstairs and look in the mirror at, um, at what my new Carhartt Parker looks like. And then, who knows, maybe my Adidas trainers are going to arrive as well today. It's like it's like Christmas all over again, it really is. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, stay tuned for more stuff in the future, but for now it's time to say goodbye. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 